Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to mystory@toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Well, good morning, Calvary. Grab your Bibles with me, if you would, please, and turn to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. Ron and I have uh, three children, one of whom will remain nameless, but uh, is notorious for not listening. Not like they're rebellious. They're not, they're not bad. They're not disobedient or disrespectful. They're just, I think the, the biblical word is clueless, right? I think that's the, that's, that's the so there'll be times, right, where we're, where we're talking and we'll say, look, this is, let's just, everybody's together, let's just say, and we go, hey, this is what we're going to do tonight. We're gonna, and we walk through, this is dinner, this is the activity, this is what's gotta get done, this is, you know, whatever, we walk through, and we get through the whole thing, we're all together, we talk about it, and about three minutes later, they go, hey, what are we doing tonight? Are you kidding me? Like, we just talked about this. Do you, do you know anybody like this? It's just, some of you raised your hand way too quickly and looked at the person next to you. It's like, oh, hey, right? There's these times. Now, here's the idea. I think some of us are like that spiritually sometimes. That like God's speaking to us, but either because we're distracted or because we maybe just don't understand or maybe because communicating with God is is new to us, that sometimes we just kind of miss the things that God's trying to say. The passage we're going to look at today in Acts chapter 13 in a very clear and practical way, shows us a time when God powerfully communicated to the church, and we're going to deal with some things where I think sometimes you and I, if we're not careful, we find ourselves somewhat clueless. Today, we're going to talk about the will of God. We're going to talk about the call of God. We're going to talk about the voice of God and how we can better communicate with him. So let's just jump in. I want want to read the text first so we can understand the story, and then we're going to answer some questions. Acts chapter 12, actually. We're going to to start with the last verse of chapter 12 and then the first three of chapter 13. One thing that's that's really good to remember, um, as we're reading this, the, the two stars of our show today are guys named Barnabas and Saul. And it's good to remember that when you read this portion of the book of Acts, the, the individual that's referred to as Saul here will later be known as the Apostle Paul, who wrote a, a vast majority of the New Testament. If you're familiar with Scripture at all, maybe you've heard that name, Paul the Apostle, before. Here he's referred to as Saul. In fact, next week he actually gets his name changed. We're going to see this as we get further in chapter 13. But Acts chapter 12, beginning with verse 25, we read this. When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission. They returned from Jerusalem, taking with them John, also called Mark. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menane, who had been brought up uh, with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. So I want to look at those verses and answer some questions that maybe you've had. I know these are questions that I've had. We're going to look at three questions about communication with God. Three questions about communication with God. And and here's the first one. And I'm going to guess it's not all that unfamiliar. Question number one, how do I know the will of God? How do I know the will of God? There's, there's been times in my life, for whatever reason, there's a decision that needs to be made, and I've had to ask myself, how do I know what God's will is in this situation? Anybody else ever ask that question? Go ahead, raise your hand if you've ever asked that question. Yeah, all of you who are, 
honest or raising your hand, right? Yeah, at some point, I think we've asked this question, how do I know the will of God? Where, where does God want me to go? What job does he want me to take? What relationship am I supposed to be in? What, what decision should I make? How am I supposed to use my time or my, my resources or my abilities? What school should I go to? How should I interact with others in this relationship? Where is it that I should live? And we ask this question. I think a lot of times where we get caught up in this is we ask God what God's will is, and then we want this real specific answer. Anybody ever wished God had email? Anybody? <laughs> right? I wish you'd just send me an email. I wish he'd just, you know, just, just communicate it somehow so I would just know very clearly. And I want specific detail about what God's will is. Let me give you a principle that I, that I think will help you with this. If you will start with God's general will and then allow him to direct his specific will. Start with God's general will for your life and then allow him to direct his specific will for your life. A lot of times we want real answers. God, can I do this? Or God, should I do that? When where God wants it to start is for you to just do the general things that he wants for you to do. I fully believe that God does give us specific answers. I truly believe that he gives us direct determination of the things that we should do. But if we're not already doing the general things he wants us to do, then I don't think we can hear when he gives us the specific things. Does that make sense? It's like maybe you've had this experience. Times when your child might come and say, Mom, Dad, I want a dog. And you're like, cool. Why don't you start being responsible first? Does that make sense? Do the general thing, and then maybe you can have the specific thing. What if you walked into your boss tomorrow and you said, hey, boss, you know what I'd like? I'd like a promotion that would get me a, a more important job with more money and allows me to travel to exotic places in the winter. That'd be a good deal, right? And your boss, your boss says, you know, that'd be cool. How about first, why don't you actually do your job, show up on time, and stop being a pain to everybody else? <laughs> do the general thing, then we can talk about the specific thing. And I think this is a real principle in Scripture that's good for us to see. So if that's the case, what is God's general will for our lives so that we can be in a place to receive his specific will? Well, what's Scripture say? Let's start here. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 says this. It says, this is good and pleases God our Savior who wants, right there, this is God's will. What does God want? He wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. What does God want? Here's, here's the first thing I want you to see. I want to show you three things real quick, but the first thing I want you to see about God's will. It is God's will for you to know him. If you're going to start with the general, the very first thing that God wants is relationship with you. He wants you to know him. Timothy hears from Paul in that passage that God's desire, he wants all of us to know him, to come to salvation, and to know the truth about him. It, it sounds really basic, but I, I like to use the word foundational because that's where my life begins, if my life begins in my relationship with God through Jesus Christ, then God can build his will for my life out of that. But it has to start with this basic thing. So for some of us, the most important thing we can hear today, maybe you're even in church asking God, what, what do you want from my life? It begins by asking, do, do you know him? Have you found him to be your savior, which means he's the one that brings forgiveness and grace to your life? Have you found him to be your Lord, which means he's the one that gives direction and purpose to your life. 
And when you allow him to be your savior and your Lord, that's the first step towards knowing him and knowing his will. And then when you come to that place, then you can begin to move towards his more specific will in your life. So so the first thing I I want you to see is if you want to know God's will, it starts by knowing him. And then it kind of moves on from there. Do you remember when we were back at Acts chapter 11, and we kind of just breezed through this, but there was this point in Acts chapter 11 where it said that there was going to be a famine in Jerusalem, that the world was going to have this shortage of food, there was going to be a famine that was going to come, and the church in Antioch, which was escaping some of this and had more resource, was going to send money to help those out who were in Jerusalem. So the church in Antioch in the north was going to send money to the church in the south so that they would have a resource when they experienced this tough time. And they had to get the money there somehow. They couldn't write a check. The bank couldn't do a transfer, and PayPal wasn't working. They had to figure something out, right? And so what they did was they said, look, Barnabas and Saul, here's a job for you guys. You you guys seem to be really really good leaders. You know those folks there. you've, You've proven to be responsible. So Barnabas and Saul, we're going to give you the money And we want you to take it. In fact, we read this, Acts chapter 11, verse 30. We see this. This they did, sending their gift to the elders, that's those in Jerusalem, by Barnabas and Saul. And so where our story starts today ends with that story. Barnabas and Saul take the money to Jerusalem and then go back to verse 25 of Acts 12 and look at what we read. When Barnabas and Saul had, and look at this part, when Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission. You know why that's so important? Because I've started a lot of things in life that I didn't finish. Anybody else? Like where where you begin something, you go a certain route, you go a certain direction, and then you just kind of don't finish it up. But what we see here about Barnabas and Saul and why you watch through this passage, how God continually opens up more and more opportunity for them, the reason is because They were, and watch this word here, they were faithful. What's God's will for your life? Well, I believe it's God's will for you to know him. Second thing is that it's God's will for you to be faithful. That where he's put you, what he's called you to do, the things that you have ahead, the role that you're in, in your family, on your job, in your church, in the places where you are, God doesn't want you chasing down something, looking for the next bigger and better thing and not being faithful to what he's called you to and where he's called you to. Does that make sense? Now, we'll unpack this here in just a moment. But if God has put you in a place, his desire is is for you to finish that mission. And I'm not saying that you don't strive for better things or that you don't work for greater opportunity or that you don't dream about the future. I'm just saying that you don't think about the future without giving consideration to the reality of the present. You have to be faithful where you are and watch this because this is everybody's favorite word. You have to be faithful patiently. Don't we love that word patiently? Be faithful patiently patiently. Okay, think about Saul, who we we come to know as the Apostle Paul. When did we really get introduced to him? We saw his name a couple of times, but the first time we really get into his world is in Acts chapter 9. If you remember, he's he's on on a trip from Jerusalem to Damascus, and along the way, Jesus appears to him. Do you remember that? We talk about the, the, the experience he had on the road to Damascus. That's in Acts chapter 9. We're now in Acts chapter 13. Okay, so I thought to myself, well, well, How long was this? 
So Acts chapter 9 to Acts chapter 13 in my Bible is seven pages. You got, you got to read seven pages to get from 9 to 13. So let's just say that each one of those pages takes me five minutes to read. I'm not in a hurry. I'm just kind of taking my time soaking it in. It takes me five minutes to read from when Saul gets saved to when Saul gets commissioned here. So if it's five minutes a page, it takes me a little over half an hour to get to this point. Not that long. Not that big of a deal. It doesn't seem like much in the story. Here's what's important for you to know. For Saul, who lived it out, from Damascus Road to his commissioning in Antioch was 13 years. See, we, we don't see all of this. We read a little bit about it in Acts. We read some of it in Galatians. Paul tells us some of it in 2 Corinthians. But what happens is Paul starts in Damascus. Then he goes to Arabia for a while. Then he goes back to Damascus. Then he goes to Jerusalem. From Jerusalem, he has to run to Tarsus. While he's in Tarsus, he spends about eight years ministering around Syria and some other areas before Barnabas comes and gets him, brings him back to Antioch. And at this point, he spent about a year in Antioch. You understand that Paul didn't go right from Damascus Road to missionary status. It was a long process. It was 13 years in the places where God put him, of him knowing God and being faithful. If you want to know the will of God, it doesn't just happen overnight. And for some of you, maybe you're a little frustrated because you're going, I'm not in the place I want to be. I'm not doing the thing I want to do. This is not the way that I wanted it to go. And God would say to you, be faithful where I've put you, and in your faithfulness, then I can trust you. I want you to do something in this place. So what's the will of God? Well, the will of God is for you to know him, and the will of God is for you to be faithful. And then watch this, because we get to verse 1 of Acts chapter 13, and we see something interesting here. Because what we see here is that your faithfulness today may be preparing you for fruitfulness in the future. So you've got Saul, who's faithful these 13 years. He gets to Antioch, and watch what happens there. Acts chapter 13, verse 1. Now, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menin, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. He lists those names there. He says they're prophets and teachers, which were, which were gifts that God had given to the church in those roles. They were serving the church. And what you notice is that all along, as Saul was faithful, he used his gifts, the church recognized those gifts, and it gave Saul the opportunity to be fruitful. Sometimes when we think about faithfulness, we think that means I just sit here and wait. God, when you're ready for me, I'm right here. God, I'm faithful. That's not what faithful means. Faithful means that you say, God, you've given me something, and I'm gonna use that thing. I'm going to do something with it. Notice this, it is God's will for you to be fruitful. That as you use the gifts and the calling that he's given to you, that he's able to use your life for his kingdom to impact people's lives and to make a difference. And your fruitfulness comes from giftedness. The ways in which God has gifted you and blessed you and, and, and allowed you to know his work in your life, that fruitfulness in your life will come from the giftedness that God has given to you. It didn't take me long in my life to realize that I would probably never have a career in the NFL. You know why? Have you seen me? 
I'm just not built for it. I don't, I don't have that. I don't, it's, I'm not gifted in that way. On a sports front, like if I was going to play sports, it's probably more likely that, that I would be a part of a basketball team. And, and I played some basketball, and when I would play pickup or organize, whatever, my role was typically this. Once people saw my giftedness, they would say, hey, you're tall. Just stand there like this. Just do that. Don't move. Don't look at the ball. Just get in the way. That's all we're asking you to do. Why? Because they saw my giftedness. So like when I was in high school, football and basketball were not my claim to fame. I kind of dabbled as a musician. Why? Because that was where my giftedness lay. And you have to at some point go, look, where is your giftedness? And then move in that area and try to be fruitful in that way. When you ask what is the will of God, you have to say, how can I be faithful, not just to sit there, but then to be fruitful and work in the way in which God has gifted me. So here's my encouragement for you. I, I know people who are always frustrated or they're disappointed or they're looking for something better or they think the grass is gonna be greener or they're always waiting for something to change so they can do something for God. They're just kind of always disappointed and struggling and frustrated. And my encouragement to you is to say, God, what is your will for my life? And to find that, that you put yourself in a place where you can know him and be faithful and be fruitful. Let me, um, let me maybe show it to you in this way a little bit as, as we talk about this today, that maybe it'll help us a little bit to kind of think this through. I want to show you something you haven't seen in a while. This is a plant. Do you remember those? Do you remember them? We're going to see more of them soon by the grace of God. Can I get an amen, right? So we're going to see more. What if, what if this plant is you? Okay, let's say this is you. And one day you say to yourself, you know, I really don't like this pot. I think I'm going to get out of here. And you kind of pull out of the place where you are, and then you say to yourself, well, this, this dirt isn't anything to talk about either. And as a plant, you decide that you're going to start pulling yourself out of the place where you are because you say to yourself, you know what? I really, and this makes a mess, and I didn't think about this until it was too late. And, and you say to yourself, I really, I really don't want to be here. And so you say, look, I, I don't want to be here. And so you pull yourself out of the pot and out of the dirt and out of the place, and then you, you get away from that because you don't like it. And it's not where you want to be, and it's not really what you think you, know, you should be doing. And then you say to yourself, you know what? I think I'm going to grow right there. How's that going to work for that plant? What's going to happen to it? It's not going to live because it's not in a place where it can live. See, what's important for this plant is to realize it's not the plant's job to decide where it's going to be. You know what the plant's supposed to do? There's, there's a cliche, and I know it's a cliche, but I think it's good for us to think about it. You ever heard the phrase, bloom where you're planted? Have you ever heard that? That in the place where you are, that's the place where you need to bloom and grow and make the most out of where you are. Because if you as the plant say, I don't want to be here, and you try to go somewhere else, you're going to find yourself in a place where you don't have the tools that you need to grow. You don't have the structure. You, you don't have the nutrients. You, you don't have the dirt that it takes and if you just say, well, I, I just, I'm just going to sit there, or I'm just going to do this, or I'm just going to wait. Look, God is calling you to be faithful, and he's calling you to be fruitful. And I'm not saying you'll always be in that pot. I'm not saying you'll always be in that dirt. I'm just saying if you are there now, it might be time for you to bloom where you're planted. In that spot, it might be time for you to be faithful and fruitful where you are. Be faithful and fruitful where you are, and watch this. When you're faithful and fruitful where you are, then you'll grow. 
And then you'll produce things. And as you grow and get stronger, and as you produce things, guess what? God's the gardener. And he might look and go, you know what? You, you did great in that pot. Well done, good and faithful plant. Can I get an amen? You have been faithful in that pot. I'm going to move you over to a different pot. I'm going to move you to a bigger pot. I'm going to move you to, to, to a pot that, that may fit what you think in your life more. But God can't put you in the places he wants you unless you're faithful in the place where you are and you're blooming where you're planted. Does that make sense? So here's my encouragement to you. If you're frustrated, if you're having a tough time, if you're disappointed, if you don't like the pot that you're in, Bloom where you're planted, and this will set you free. You ready? Let God be the gardener. Let him be the one that gives direction to your life, that guides you. I'm not saying you don't dream. I'm not saying you don't work. I'm not saying you don't plan. But here's, here's what I've found in, in our lives, for Ron and I, that every time that God has done something significant in some kind, that there's been something new that he's entrusted to us, or there's been some change that he's brought... It, it's never been because I fought or struggled or had to push through in some way. It's always been that when we've been faithful and fruitful where we were, then God could open up new opportunity and entrust us with something more. Does that make sense? You're only going to be frustrated if you don't let God be the gardener and be faithful and fruitful and bloom where you're planted if you want to know what the will of God is, know him, be faithful, be fruitful, and then he'll guide you along the way. Which, which leads us then to our second question, which, which I think is really interesting and very specific to this passage of scripture. Question number two, and remember we're talking about Barnabas and Saul here in this passage. Question number two is this, what is the call of God? Question number two, what is the call of God? I don't know if you have, but I've, but I've heard this phrase a couple of times in the last few weeks since the passing of, of Billy Graham and his funeral this week. Anybody else catch any of the funeral this week of Billy Graham? I was, to be quite honest, I was caught off guard by how, uh, can't even say it, how emotional I was as I watched that. What an extraordinary life and the way that God used him. And several times I heard people mention the call of God in his life. Would you say that Billy Graham was called of God? Yes or no? I mean, we use that phrase often to talk about someone who God has commissioned in a special way. And I, I know what we're going to talk about in the next couple of moments could, could kind of just be words. It could kind of just be semantics. But, but track with me for a couple minutes on this, because I think this is really important. Look, I believe that every person has a purpose from God for their life. No matter who you are, and whether you want to talk yourself out of it or not, Everybody has a gift and a calling from God, something that God has in store for you to do. Let's say it this way. Every person has a spiritual gift. Every person has a spiritual gift, something that God has empowered by his spirit for you to do. In fact, scripture says it this way. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. Is that just for some people or is it for all people? Right, because it says to each one. So God has given to every one of you a spiritual gift of some kind. Everyone, and, and, and watch this because this is important, everyone has a gift for the church. Every one of us. God has equipped us in some way. He's gifted us in some way for the common good of the body of Christ. 
We read about these gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We read about them in Romans chapter 12. We read about all kinds of gifts that range from what you might view as some kind of upfront ministry gift all the way to what happens behind the scenes that God equips and by his spirit, he empowers people to be a blessing to his church. Everyone has a spiritual gift. Everyone has a gift for the church. And sometimes, sometimes we can fool ourselves and begin to think, that the only people that God uses are those who, who are um, paid or professional clergy. We look at a situation and we go, man, I sure hope the pastor does something about this, right? And that's not the way it works. We believe in what might be called the priesthood of all believers. So know this, I also believe that everyone is a minister. Everyone has a gift for the church. And in your family, in your workplace, in, in, your, in your neighborhood, in, in your everyday life, God has something he wants to do through you. Everyone, in some way, is a minister. But when we get to this passage in Acts chapter 13, we're, we're confronted with, with another kind of twist to that. There's, there's three places where Paul lists what, what we would call spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, Romans chapter 12, and then Ephesians chapter 4. And in Ephesians 4, we read this, that so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. This is kind of a special group of spiritual gifts. And it says right there that Jesus gave these gifts to the church. Look, they're not special people. They're not more special than others, but they are called to do something special for the church because they have, and we use this phrase kind of sometimes, I don't know if it's a biblical phrase, but we use it a lot. We say that someone might have the call of God on their life. Have you ever heard that phrase? Somebody maybe that's called to, to lead the church in a way or bless the church in a way. We might say that that person has the call of God on their life. So we get to Acts chapter 13, and in Acts chapter 13, the church says, the Holy Spirit has spoken to us and said, take Saul and Barnabas and set them apart, call them to something special to bless the church. They're going to go be missionaries, church planters. Set them apart to do something special because they have the call of God on their life. So everyone has a gift for the church, but some are a gift to the church. Look at that distinction a little bit that's in Scripture. Every one of us has a gift for the church. But Jesus has called some to be a gift to the church. And everyone is a minister, but some are called to the ministry. Have you ever heard that term, like called into ministry? Have you heard that? Anybody? Yeah. You heard that? All right. so, so everyone is a minister, but some are called to the ministry. So let's, let's break this down for a minute. Because I came, I came pretty close to just kind of skipping this part of the story. Because it can get a little awkward, because it sounds like I'm saying I'm special because I'm a pastor. <laughs> I'm a gift to the church. <laughs> Went to, uh, some of you think as a gift I'd like to take back. You know, so um, I knew some guys in high school, kind of walked around in high school, going, I'm God's gift to women. <laughs> Ladies love me. You know guys like that? Remember guys like that? And some pastors kind of think, I'm God's gift to the church. Until you break it down for a minute. All those gifts that scripture talks about, the, the pastor, the teacher, the evangelist, the apostle, the, the, um, the teacher that we see there, 
all those gifts that are there, they're, they're described in terms of shepherding. And you know what a shepherd does? A shepherd lays his life down. A shepherd's number one priority is the sheep. So it's really important that you understand that if God's called someone to a gift like that, it's not because they're special, it's because there's a special calling on their life to lead the church. Does that make sense? Now look, I'll tell you why I talk about this today. I talk about this for two reasons. One, it's really clear in the text that that's what happens here to Saul and Barnabas, that they're set apart, that God calls them to something special. So it's important for you to know that that's that's a biblical text. But even more importantly, I felt like we needed to talk about this because it's possible that some of you are, are sensing this, that maybe God's calling you to do something special for his church. Maybe it's to, to get involved in a ministry in a certain way. Maybe for some of you, it's actually to change course in your life and pursue ministry in a certain way. I don't know what it looks like, whether it's full-time, part-time, you're wrestling with what is God's will for my life, but I think it's important that if God is stirring that up inside of you, that you do not neglect it. Look at this, um, 1 Timothy chapter 4. Paul's writing to a young man named Timothy here who has a call of God on his life, and he says, Timothy, do not neglect your gift, which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. He says, look, God put something in your heart. He gave you this gift, and then the church recognized it, and then the church commissioned you, Timothy, if God has called you to this, do not neglect it. For some of you, God may be stirring something in your heart and saying, I'm calling you to do something for me. Look, if that's the case, do not neglect it. Do not Push it aside. And for others of you, you may know someone who's wrestling with that calling, and God may be calling you to encourage them and speak confidence to them and stir something up in them so that they do not neglect the gift. How does it happen? Well, I got thinking about it. For me, I, I could take you back probably to, to almost the exact spot in the sanctuary at Warren First Assembly of God. I was 11 or 12 years old. I was sitting in a Sunday night service and there was a guest preacher who was up there and he was up there speaking. And I remember this thought came to me. It wasn't from my head. I honestly believe it came from God. And there was this thought that came that said, I think that's what I'm supposed to do. I I think I'm supposed to preach. And as I went on into high school, I remember coming to the realization that if I pursued anything else with my life, I was just gonna be miserable because there was this, this, this call of God I would say for, um, for, for, for probably Pastor Matt and Pastor Jay, who lead our youth ministries, they've, they've had that same kind of experience. I thought about, I thought about our team. Leah Loran, who, who was just up here a few minutes ago, who leads our serve ministries. Leah entered into to missions work shortly after high school. What's interesting about Leah is if you talk to her, she said, I was an accidental missionary. Like, I never, I never thought that's what I'd do. I just took the will of God one step at a time and said, God, what do you want me to do? She said, I never dreamed I'd end up in South Africa. We're blessed to have her here. But, but then you think, of the, you think of the rest of our team. It's interesting. Both Pastor Bill and Pastor Lindsay were teachers. Pastor Keith was a welder. Pastor Chris was an engineer. Pastor Sue was a nurse. Pastor John was a professional musician. And at some point for all of them, there was a time when God kind of stirred something in their heart and they sensed this call of God and they moved forward with that. And at that point, it meant God was more happy with them and he loved them more than he loved the rest of the commoners. (laughs) You get where I'm going with this, right? Don't you dare hear that. It's not that anybody is more special. 
But God might be calling you to do something special for him. And if that's the case, if you feel like you're in a season where God is stirring something in your heart, where he's calling you to in some way be a gift to the church, take Paul's advice. Do not neglect that. If you are called and gifted, pursue your calling through your giftings and watch how God opens doors for those who are patiently faithful and fruitful. So what, what do you do if you think that's you? Well, first of all, don't, let's, let's not do this. Calvary is, the, the point of this is not because Calvary has an abundance of pastoral positions available, and I'm hoping that you will catch me in the atrium after church and tell me the will of God for both your life and mine. Okay, is that all right? Like that's, we, we need some more cash if we're gonna do something like that. That's, that's not, what I'm saying is, look, if God's calling you to this, what do you do? Well, let's start here. Why don't you start by doing God's will today? Whatever it is that he's put in front of you to do today, be faithful and fruitful. Prepare yourself for that to which he has called you. There's a certain group, if there's a certain um, country, if there's a certain generation, if there's a certain calling that you feel like God has put in your life, start to learn about that. Take advantage of the Calvary Ministry School and then listen for God's voice. When did it say that the church in Antioch was able to, to speak to them? It was a time when they were worshiping and they were praying and they were fasting, that they were listening for God's voice. There are these moments in life when Rhonda has looked at me and said, you remember when I told you that, right? And I'm like, um, I, don't, I don't know that I remember hearing that. And she's certain that she said it. And what happens is she realizes it's not that I didn't hear it. It's that I wasn't listening. And all the wives said, Amen. right, yeah, okay, let it go, ladies, let it go, right? Because there's these times when I could hear something, I'm just not listening. And God may be speaking to you. It may be time for you to listen, which takes us to the third thing. Let's, let's just look at this today. Last question. How do I hear the voice of God. How do I hear the voice of God? Maybe you, maybe you heard in the news in the last few weeks, there was a, a segment recently on the TV show, The View, and Joy, one of the hosts on that show, took aim at Vice President Mike Pence and his belief in God. Anybody see about this? Here's what she said, interesting quote. She was responding to a comment, and she said, it's one thing to talk to Jesus. It's another when Jesus talks to you. That's a mental illness, if I'm not correct, hearing voices. So she, just, she took a shot at the vice president and every one of us who thinks that sometimes God communicates with us in a certain way. So much so that over 25,000 people kind of let ABC know right away what's going on. Like We're offended by this. So the next day, Joy responded with this statement. I, I don't think Mike Pence is mentally ill, even though he says he is hearing voices. Well, that was heartfelt, wasn't it? <laughs> right? And, and if you follow this Vice President Pence, just put politics aside, he's, he's a man of deep faith. And, uh, and, and what he's done in responding, I think, has been both gracious and eloquent and passionate. He's defended his faith. But here's what it pointed out. When you and I say that we heard something from God, for many people, that's a strange concept, right? For a lot of people, it's like, oh, what do you mean by that? For, for me, sometimes, it's a little bit of a strange concept. What do you mean that you heard from God? And yet, Acts chapter 13, it says here that when they were together, when they were praying, when they were fasting, when they were worshiping, it says, the Holy Spirit said to them. What's that mean? 
What's that mean when it says that the Holy Spirit spoke to them? Now, I don't know if it was an audible voice. I can tell you, I know that God's communicated with me many times. In fact, I'd like to think that, that a lot of times on a daily basis, I hear from God. But it's never been in an audible voice. Maybe you've heard it in an audible voice. Some people have, but I've never physically heard it with my ears. So how do I know that God is speaking to me? And I think this is important. You, you, ever, you ever known anybody who's a name dropper? Like they tell you who they know that's famous or important or, or, or they tell you why they're connected to these popular people because they want to impress you. I know some people that preface everything they say with God told me. Have you, have you ever met anybody like that? Well, I woke up this morning and God told me to eat Frosted Flakes. The Holy Spirit told me it would be great, right? right it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. So how does it work? How do we, how do we hear the voice of God? Real quick, let me, sorry about that. Let me give you three things. Okay, number one, we hear God through his word. How do you hear God? Well, if you want the objective, surefire way that you know you are hearing the voice of God, we hear God through his word. He speaks to us through the scriptures. And so when we know his word, when we test it with God's word, we know that we are hearing from God because a lot of people have opinions. There's a... Um, there's a passage in Acts chapter 17, we'll get there um, in, I don't know, 10 or 20 years, we have Acts chapter 17, where there's this church in Berea, and the church in Berea, they say that they're more noble than the other churches, because when they hear something, they take it, and they see, does it line up with scripture? So you need to test and see if the things that you're hearing are from God, because sometimes you'll sense something, and you'll go, I don't, I don't know, is that the voice of God? And I think you all know, there are some people in the world who have the spiritual gift of flakiness. Have you ever met them? And they'll say something, and you got to line it up. Look, if it does not line up with God's word, it is not God's voice. It's that clear. If it contradicts God's word, then it's not from God. But, but when you read God's word, I'm telling you, it can speak to you. It can help you to know if something needs to change in your life or how you're supposed to live with your family or your friends, how you're supposed to perform at work or decisions that you need to make or steps of faith you need to take or how to deal with relationships. It is a manual for how we are to live our lives. But can I give you just a word of caution here? There's, there's a theological term that we use sometimes called proof texting. Or may, maybe you could just say it simply. It's the twisting of scripture. Here's a caution. Do not justify your own will by declaring it to be God's will. Don't just use scripture to try to get what you want. Make sure that you line up your life with God's word, which leads to the second thing. I think we hear God through his word. We also hear God through his spirit. We hear God through his spirit, there comes, and especially as you come to know God more and more, as you get more familiar with him and his spirit and his word, you begin to hear him speak to you. Look, Ron and I have been married for over 20 years, and there's times when I can know what's going on in her heart, not by the words that she says, but by how she says them. Sometimes she says my name, and it's really nice. Other times she says my name, and I know it's my fault, right? <laughs> by the way that it's said, right? She doesn't even have to say things sometimes. Sometimes it's just the look on her face. It's the body language that I can know what's going on. Why? Because I've learned to sense the, the spirit that she has. Does that make sense? And the spirit of God will be at work in our lives. You see this in this passage. In fact, I think this is really important. When you read this, the Holy Spirit says to the church in Antioch, set apart Barnabas and Saul 
for the work to which, and if you read the Greek, it would be in a perfect tense. It says, for the work to which I have called them. The Spirit is saying, look, I have already called them to this. It has already happened. I believe they already knew. The Spirit of God had already confirmed in their lives that this is what they were supposed to do because the Spirit of God will speak to us in these ways. God will confirm his voice by his Spirit. And I know at times this this can be a little bit more subjective, but the Spirit speaks to us in times of prayer. The Spirit speaks to us just kind of through a discernment. Sometimes the Spirit will even speak to us through dreams or visions. Now, be careful what you ate the night before, but he'll speak in that way. Sometimes he'll speak to us through the situations that we find ourselves in. This, this happened just this week. We, we, we had a, a situation down in the renovations. It was one of these moments where it's just like, what are we supposed to do? And I can tell you, I know this sounds crazy, but there was this divine moment where I know God directed something as simple as an exit light, but I could tell that it was led by his spirit. That may sound a little flaky, but it's true. He directs us in every area of our lives when we look to him and trust in him. But here's a caution for you. Using the voice of God as a trump card is a risky tactic. If every time you want something, you preface it by saying, God told me, if you think that you have to get credibility with people by telling them that somehow you heard from God, the more you do that, the more you risk embarrassing yourself and God. Can I tell you that if the only way you can convince people that God's doing something in your life is by telling them that God's doing something in your life, then maybe God's not doing something in your life. If you have to tell them and they can't see it, then maybe you need to give it a second thought, which, which leads to the last thing. We hear God through his word, through his spirit, and we hear God through his people. It happens here in Acts chapter 13, right? The spirit says, set apart Saul and Barnabas for the work that I've called them to. And what happens? The church says, yes, yes, we, we affirm this. Let's pray for them. They lay hands on them to commission them. And then it says they sent them out. And it wasn't just, see you boys, right when you get work. That's what they're saying. They sent them with the resources they needed because they believed in them. They affirmed it. They confirmed their calling. People will speak into your life and help you to have confirmation of what God is doing and that you're hearing his voice. Who, who has license to speak into your life? Like, are, are there people in your life that you trust, that are godly, that you're accountable to? Maybe for the, for the lack of a better word, maybe this comes from my own experience. Do you, do you, have, a, do you have a board? Like, I don't mean that you have to like put together this formal board with a constitution. But I, I guess, you know, we're talking about our business meeting coming up. Maybe if you're new to Calvary, you don't, you don't know how it works, but we have a, we have a board of deacons. And I'm really thankful for this board and the way that it works because I believe that God gives to the pastor the role of visionary leadership for the church, but I don't want to do it alone. I'm thankful for the board that we have that comes alongside and that helps to set that course for vision and make decisions and gives wisdom. And I'm thankful that there's times when, when I feel something in my spirit and I bring it up to the board and it's great in those times when they go, yes, we, we affirm this. Pastor, let's move forward. And there's other times when they go, well, Pastor, that's, that's a good idea, but have you thought about this? And they give wisdom. Or there's other times when we talk about it and we go, was well, the timing of this right? There's other times when they go, what are you thinking? right? 
Why? Because I need people in my life who will tell me the truth, who will give me godly insight and not be afraid to sometimes tell me what I need to hear even if I don't want to. Does that make sense? Do do you have people like that in your life? Solomon says this, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15, the way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. That's a good word, which um, leads me to one last caution. Look, God will use people to confirm things in your life, but no one else will tell you God's will for your life. And and I've watched this over and over. Look, no one else is going to tell you. Someone may affirm something. Someone may confirm something. Someone may speak life to you. But if you don't have peace about it, if you don't sense that God's speaking to you, then you need to be careful about that. If somebody comes to you and says, you're supposed to be a missionary in Brazil, and that doesn't resonate with you, if somebody comes and tells you you're supposed to give all kinds of money to something and the Spirit doesn't confirm that, if somebody comes up to you and says, hey, baby, God says we're supposed to be together, (laughs) you need to say to them, well, I'll wait till God tells me. Right? Why? Because God's not just going to speak through somebody else. He's going to use them to confirm something in your life. We've covered some interesting ground today. The will of God, the call of God, the voice of God. Why take all this time to do this? Because I honestly believe that God wants to speak to you. I honestly believe that God wants you to hear from him, that he wants to direct you, that he wants you to know his will and his purpose and his voice in your life. What it means for you and I is that we have to listen. I I never met Billy Graham, never went to any of the crusades. I I don't have any direct connection. It's been interesting, though, this week to talk with people and hear so many people have a Billy Graham story. Do you know what I mean? Somehow people direct a connection back to how God used his ministry. And I, I, have, I have kind of one, it's kind of an outside Billy Graham story, and I thought it kind of, kind of fit today. There was a season in my life, back when our kids were little, when there were like two voices for, for several months that were really kind of strong in my life. One was the music of a guy named Phil Kagey. Anybody ever heard of Phil Kagey, musician named Phil Kagey? I, I, I have this suspicion that when we get to heaven, God's going to put Phil Kagey in charge of all the music. He's my favorite. I love him. The other voice that was really strong in my life at that time was, was actually Billy Graham, because I was reading his time, this, this book called Just As I Am. It's his autobiography. And it was, it was really cool and impactful for me. And, and this was a time when our kids were little, and one of our kids was at that stage where they were having to go out of their crib and sleep in the bed by themselves. Do you remember the joy of that, parents? Right, do you know that? And it was this season of time, and I don't know if it's bad parenting. Like, you, you might call us out for this, but our youngest is 17 now, and they're all doing all right, so it, it wasn't too bad. There was a season of time where they, they didn't want to be by themselves. They were kind of afraid to go to sleep, and I was like, look, here's what I'll do. I'm going to sit right outside your door until you fall asleep. And you'll know that everything's okay, but you need to stay in your bed. You need to do that. And so they would have the peace of knowing that their dad was there, and their dad would get time alone in peace and quiet with Billy. It was awesome. <laughs> and this went on for a couple months where I just, even after I needed to, I just sat out. This was a long book. I sat out there for a while, <laughs> right? And I was reading through this book. And so it was funny. One day we were, we were in the store, and child was in the cart, I'm pushing the cart, and we're walking through the store, and on the shelf was a copy of this book with Billy's face on it. 
And like, like our child knew that I was reading this book. They recognized it. And I watched the look in their eyes like, that's the book daddy's reading. Like they made the connection in that moment. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. And so I said, you see that book? And they're like, yeah. I said, that's the book daddy's reading, isn't it? They're like, yeah. I says, do you know who that book is about? And they said, yeah. And I said, who is that? And they said, Phil Kagey. <laughs> Sorry, Billy. <laughs> they heard something. They just really weren't listening all that close. And my concern is that, that you're going to miss what God wants to speak to you because you're just not listening all that close. That he wants to speak to you about his will. That, that he wants you to, to not be, be left on your own, but that you'll bloom where you're planted by knowing him and being faithful and being fruitful. That you'll pursue his purposes for your life. That you'll hear his voice through his word and through his spirit and through his people. And then you'll know him in a way like never before and watch the fruitfulness that comes from your life. So I'm going to invite you just to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. And just, and just maybe just to take a, a quick... Summary, where, where are you at in this message? God, we come to you, and for some of us, today's a day where we're wondering, what's, what's your will for us? So, Lord, we start with foundational stuff. Father, we, we want to know you. Maybe for some of us, for the very first time, we, we need to say, Jesus, we need to make you our Savior. Would you forgive us? We need to make you our Lord. Would you lead our lives? so that we could be faithful, fruitful, so we could bleem right where you've planted us. For others of us, God, it's, it's time for us to, to be active in the gift that you've given to us. And, and Lord, I know it's not for everybody, but I believe that for somebody, you've put a call of God on their life and, and you're speaking to them about pursuing that right now. Lord, help them to be faithful in moving forward with that call. And God, would you help us to hear your voice? May your words speak clearly to us. May we come to know the, the discernment of your spirit's leading. Would you, would you affirm and confirm those things by your spirit? God, that we could communicate with you in a way that would allow us to live a life of effectiveness for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.